This week on Log It, we're here to discuss 2015's Denis Villeneuve's Sicario. Sick movie. We have a very special guest this week. Another person from Glendora Gang. Uh, my very good friend, my old friend, Trenton Hughes. Trenton, welcome to Log It. Welcome. Thank you. I appreciate that I'm <laughs> the <you>. old friend. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Old in <laughs> what does that your mean? age, not yeah. in yes, yes, specifically your... That's what I thought. I appreciate it. I appreciate it. Yeah, you're very welcome. Anything I can do to make you uncomfortable and get you nervous before we record. Trenton is another friend from Glendora that you know I knew growing up. Just to loosen up, we used to play um basketball a lot together. And specifically one of our favorite activities is um globe trotters doing the globe trotter where we would just run around and do crazy horrible tricks all oops you were pretty close to making the actual globe trotters team because of how good you got yeah at some of the stuff we were doing some as a mascot guns. the chubby well, white kid mascot yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where they bounce the ball off my head and stuff for jokes <laughs> I mean, that, it was entertaining at least when I would do that off your head and then slam dunk it over your head. Yeah. Well, this is very fun, man. We've been talking about having you come on for a minute, and we, you know, we've done lots of fun projects together. So this is very fun. Glad you could make it. Do you want to say anything about yourself? You don't have to, if you don't I, want to. I just appreciate you scraping the bottom of the barrel to, <laughs> to have me on. Because obviously I'm yeah, a, a movie aficionado. And... I'm very desperate at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I was texting. We haven't talked in a year. This has been a decade since we've talked. I was just been all of everybody. I know you've watched a movie or two over the last few years. I wanted to have you on. And yeah, that was the first thing you said to me in the last five years. So it was, it was good to hear <laughs> yeah. your voice and, and have that invite. I sent out a mass text as hello, <laughs> insert and name I, here. <laughs> and I was the first one to reply, right? <laughs> yeah yeah uh, you're the first one to say yes i got lots of angry no's uh, oh man yeah yeah i definitely don't know as much about movies as you i no. like a movie true. or two here and there no i don't know they're fun so i'm excited to chat. no you got great taste well before we get into last four i've kind of done this with all the guests so i'm gonna do it with you too what's your favorite movie snack snack that's the best question you can think of um <laughs> no i'm just, <laughs> I'm just it's a, now i've done it every time i hate doing it i i guess i'm pretty lame i'm water i sneak a water bottle in usually to the movies you're not allowed usually to bring a water bottle in so that's my big snack that i do <laughs> it's a good one no one's done that yet so it's original there you go yeah i get headaches when i eat popcorn so that's no no fun for me. It's delicious, but I don't want a headache, so I, I don't do it. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I've decided to take an anti-popcorn stance for movie theater snacks. So actually, I love your answer. You're the first person to agree with me so far. <laughs> if you were to open your own food stand at the movie theater, what would it have? What would be the main food that it would have there? Yeah, good question. See, you know, after all this time, I still haven't thought of what my popcorn alternative is. Yeah, and you can't, this is such a stupid answer. You can't say we can't do popcorn without having a good alternative for it. Yeah, good point. I mean, I love hot dogs at the movies. Like if they're cheap, I'm pretty sure the new Bev has hot dogs. Let me think of a good one really fast. I can't think of anything that's not crunchy and loud, which is my big complaint about popcorn. That's so funny. Fritos or something. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The very, I think our, like our first or second one early episode when we, when I first brought up the popcorn hate, Ian um, recommended carrots as an alternative. And I was like, no, that is so, so much worse. That's the loudest snack. <laughs> well, possible. what's funny, actually, one of the earliest memories I have with you, I think we were probably like 10 or 11, and we went to see Harry Potter at the theaters for your birthday. And your mom, because there was a bunch of us kids. I would never want to shell out a million dollars for popcorn. Yeah. This was the first Harry Potter, right? I think so. I didn't know what yeah. I was getting into. But yeah, your mom <laughs> packed us all uh, PB&Js. 
and that was pretty classic. Oh. We all had a PB and J. So yeah, oh, like twenty kids. Solid. I was afraid this is gonna be way embarrassing because <laughs> I did not remember. No, it it was a pretty good theater snack. I would have to say. Yeah, I was gonna. Now that you've brought it up, maybe PB and J's would be on my stand because that's just <laughs> a great go. snack to talk about. You know, just like a comfort food. Yeah, there you go. And protein. You got a lot of protein in that. Yeah, it's a great throwback too. <laughs> well, awesome. That's a good birthday. Let's get into uh, last four. Do you want to kick it off with what you've been watching? Yeah, got a couple new ones and a couple oldies. Uh, watched yeah. Father of the Bride to fall nice. asleep the other day. And forgot how good that was. Steve Martin, right? Yeah, Steve Martin. And he feels very similar to the way that I think and act most days. Pretty grumpy, <laughs> pretty <laughs> judgmental. Uh, it, it resonated. It resonated. Good, <laughs> good. Self-reliance. I don't know if you heard of that one. It's on yeah. Hulu now. New Girl Guy. Yeah. Right? Jake something. And he directed what? it too, I think. Yeah. Surprisingly intriguing super weird super fun i don't know it was a interesting one where he basically goes on some i don't like dark web show where they offer him a million dollars if he can be hunted for 30 days if and as <laughs> long as he doesn't cool. die then he gets the million dollars and as long okay. as he's always with someone like within 5 feet of someone then they can't kill him <laughs> so it's a pretty funny random one and I have to say, like watching, it's probably super low budget, but somehow it kept my attention pretty well. That's cool. Nomadland, I rewatched. Mm. You know, the first time I saw it, I think I cried like eighteen times in it, and I thought it was <laughs> one of my favorite movies ever. When I rewatched it, I had a hard time with it. Interesting. Yeah, I, I couldn't take the acting seriously for whatever reason. I was like, in real life, this actress, even though she won Best Actress, you know, this is like a multi-million yeah. dollar lady who definitely doesn't live like this so it's hard for me to detach the actress from the actual performance that was super weird so, um i can see that and then the last one i saw was called origin which just came out i think it's probably like an indie movie about cast systems um, oh, interesting it was it was definitely going for something but i feel like it might have flew right over my head a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's Ava DuVernay, too. That's interesting. I should watch that. She's an interesting director. She's had a, a weird career. Hmm. What, what other movies she, had she done? Um, so she did... Her big breakout movie was Selma, about uh, hmm. Martin Luther King Jr. and everything. She did a documentary called 13th that was really good. That's about the 13th Amendment to the Constitution, which was like, slavery is abolished, but except if you're like a prisoner and the argument is kind of like our whole system moved to arresting black people to make them slaves. Basically is kind of the idea. So very like political and sad and depressing, but very good. And then she did a wrinkle in time, which is one of the worst mm. movies I've ever seen. And I love that book. And I was actually very excited for the movie, but it was really bad. Just a CGI okay. mess. Mm. Um, so she's like an Oscar winner, but then just has not, um done a ton since then so what um would you it's it's a fictional movie right i don't know that supposedly it's based on a book okay i don't know what was true or what what wasn't truthfully but it was kind of like two stories in one where it was about the author of the book and her story and she had a ton of hardship in a very short amount of time with like deaths in the family and husband but then it's juxtaposed with her basically trying to like piece together that maybe our modern day problems aren't so much racism as they are this concept of caste. And so she was trying to yeah. apply that logic to like the Trayvon Martin case and tie it to Nazi Germany hmm. and tie it to 1920s or maybe even, yeah, about 1920s racist America and tie it to India and their caste system system yeah. there. And so it was an interesting um approach. But yeah, it was almost like two movies in one. It kind of felt a little rushed at the end to me, like of like trying to jump to these big conclusions and not too much explanation of how they're all tied together in the best ways. I think caste in general, people just don't understand what it is. I know yeah. it's popular in India, but I don't know a ton about it. 
that's an it's an interesting concept it's a bummer it didn't it, feel more like earned in the movie though yeah i mean at times it was very impactful i think there was some tearjerker moments and there was a lot of big concepts but i almost feel like there was too many in one movie and too many storylines in one movie um for them to all tie together but yeah her her argument the author's was uh, India, they're all Indian, so there's no racism there, even though there's still mm-hmm. this similar treatment between these low class people, which is similar to what you're saying with classes, and these higher yeah. class people. And then she was saying the same thing with Nazi Germany. Technically, they were all white, you know, and then they just started to label the Jews as Jews so that they could find a way to, yeah, they cast them aside. And yeah, well, yeah. Do a lot, a lot of horrible things. Yeah. Horrible. But, but yeah, her analogy was that it's the same treatment that they were getting as like you know racism that's happened in the u.s but in these other countries they're not other races so it's not racism actually it's something else we're gonna find a reason to hate people even no matter what yeah if you see i'd love to hear your thoughts i think it's an interesting movie for sure very thought-provoking which i like i like movies that are going for something big so that was cool i just yeah, yeah i wish it executed a little differently but Maybe a little i more like focus too yeah, it Sounds felt like probably like the most important movie I've probably seen in a while, potentially. But yeah, it's interesting how maybe a theme or importance isn't. It can fall flat if the execution isn't great on like the basics of like movie making. You should watch 13th, too. I'd recommend it if you liked that. 13th was really good oh. and kind of in a similar ballpark. Um, sounds like. Well, cool. Yeah, what were your four? last four? That was four. Yeah. Okay, cool. <laughs> so I'll skip around um, a little bit to get a better um, a better set. So I watched U.S. Marshals, which was awesome. It's a sequel to The Fugitive, which I watched earlier this week, which is uh, Tommy Lee Jones. Both these movies, Tommy Lee Jones is a U.S. Marshal hunting down fugitives. Both movies, spoilers, the fugitives he's hunting are innocent which, you know, made sense. The first Fugitive was a big hit. It's just The Fugitive, but the first of the two was a big hit. And I think her, uh, Tommy Lee Jones won an uh, Academy Award for the part, and I'm guessing that's why they made U.S. Marshals a couple years later. No, five years later, my bad. And, and it's basically the same structure as a guy who's accused of murder. He didn't actually do it. And so while Tommy Lee Jones is hunting him down, he kind of proves his innocence and you know Tommy Lee Jones ends up helping him in the end once he realizes the guy's innocent he plays kind of a hard ass he's kind of a jerk the heart of gold love Tommy Lee Jones love him I've always really liked him and watching these I was like okay great love him so I was interested in other movies of people who were wrongfully accused and being hunted down and one of the movies on the list was Double Jeopardy from 1999. And guess who's the guy hunting down the person who's wrongfully accused? Is it him again? It's Tommy Lee Jones. Different movie. It's not the same character or anything. I couldn't believe it. I'm like, this is who gets, this is the most like specific typecasting I've ever seen. Again, he's a hard ass with the heart of gold who's hunting down this girl. She's been convicted of murder at this point. But basically the same thing. She's on parole, goes on the run to try to solve this murder mm. and, you know, prove her innocence. That's funny. And then Tommy Lee Jones is hunting her down and then helps her once he realizes she's innocent. That reminds me of Liam Neeson after he did Taken, how every single movie <laughs> afterwards was the exact same guy. <laughs> yeah, totally, dude. Yeah. Yeah. And he always plays cops. So I kind of knew that. Like even Men in Black is basically him as like a space cop like alien cop you know mm. um no country for old men great great movie old cop mm. but um mm. it was just it kind of blew funny. my mind they were all really fun uh double jeopardy's pretty great double jeopardy it's ashley judd u.s marshals it's wesley snipes is the person he's chasing and then the fugitive is harrison ford mm. a follow-up to a previous episode we did on witness with ian we talked about how great Harrison Ford is in that movie. Uh, we talked a lot about it. That was like one of our big takeaways. He is not that good in The Fugitive. Just have to mm. say how great Witness is. He's fine, but his character is just boring and has no charisma. He's much more of like a straightforward, boring guy. 
So go watch Witness for some good Harrison Ford. Watch The Fugitive for a good Tommy Lee Jones. I have a pretty controversial take because I love Indiana Jones, but I actually think Harrison Ford is a pretty terrible actor. Wow, <laughs> I love I, this. Bring this energy. I just, I mean, I don't know. He feels very similar in a lot of what he does. I don't know. Maybe he used to be better earlier, but I don't feel that he's bringing anything great to the table as an actor. Just a good-looking guy he was earlier, but uh, so handsome, such a handsome guy, so cool. Yeah, he, when, yeah have you seen a lot earlier, of early stuff? Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, his earlier stuff. Maybe it's over the years. He's just sort of phoning it in a little bit. I could see that. I'm trying to think of later stuff where he's been great. Did you see the new Indiana Jones? Uh, yeah, I was pretty disappointed. Yeah, me too. Were you? Okay. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't love it. It was not as bad as I expected. I would say it was worse than that Shia LaBeouf one. I thought this new one was just so not great. Thousand percent degree. Thousand percent degree. Listen to our Indiana Jones special if you haven't. It's a good one. We talk about the whole franchise, but that was to the audience, not you. You don't have to listen to anything. No, I actually love the uh, the, uh, Crystal Skull. I think it's a totally fine movie. Like, I know it's not as good as the original trilogy, which was like, you know, kind of that sweet, perfect time. There's like CGI and stuff, but it's a fun movie. I wish Shia LaBeouf took it over. I kind of do too. Besides what happened, he would have been great. But I feel like the like they should have learned from what happened there where people were really only upset about the ending with the aliens and the weirdness there of that one, from what I understand. And then they took this new one and were like, you know what? Let's make it even weirder than that one. Like let's, yeah. let's make it even more far fetched than that. I feel like they didn't learn a single thing from that. So. <laughs> or from just any of their other failed franchise reboots of the last decade. Yeah. It all felt so hollow to me. Like, there were elements that should have been classic Indiana Jones, like they're going through these temples and tombs and whatnot, but it just felt like so by the numbers. And then the first yeah. scene was probably their best scene, but it was so CGI'd. There was like 20 straight mm. minutes of his his 20-year-old face. Where, yeah, I was like, what are we watching? Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I, was, I was bummed out for sure. Well, yeah, what was the, the fourth de-aging... movie? Oh, oh sorry, sorry, go ahead. No, my no, bad. Yeah. Just wanted to cut you off because I don't want to hear a single thing you say about Indiana Jones. Neither does the audience. Yeah. <laughs> like, dude, we already talked about this. <laughs> no, what were you saying though? No, I, 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 I think, yeah, the de aging. What, what was your thoughts on the de aging? I was not a fan of it. I don't feel like it's just. I hate it. I think it's one of the worst <laughs> inventions. That I don't know why they keep doing it. I thought it was horrible in Rogue One. I thought, you know, I'm trying to think of another bad one. Um, but yeah, just it's it just totally feels like I'm watching a video game cutscene. Like it takes away any of the like magic of feeling like you're watching something insane happen. Yeah, yeah, agreed. All right, now I'm gonna cut you off again. So, what was your fourth movie? (laughs) So, um, (laughs) yeah, cut me off. So, I'll just jump to the main ones. So, last night I watched. Or yesterday, it was a little earlier than night, but I watched Sicario, which was mm. awesome. It was the first time I've seen the whole thing, so I'm excited to talk about it. And then mm. to get the full picture, and because I did really enjoy the world of Sicario, I watched Sicario Day of Soldado as well, the second one, mm. which I was oh. on the fence about watching, but it's written by the same guy. It's t- Taylor Sheridan again. So I was like, all right. It might not be as good, but at least I know the story is these characters' true story continued Mm. by the original guy. Yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah, I want to hear your take on it, because to me, the first one was so good. Uh, The second one didn't hit the mark, in my opinion, the way the first one did. I almost want to not associate it at all, because the first one's such a great movie on its own, I feel like. But I'm curious. We should talk about them both. But yeah, I would love to hear so you have seen the second one too? Yeah. Sounds like obviously. Yeah, cool. Well, that will be fun then. Um, cool. Well, let's, uh, we'll just get into that part right now. Let's take a quick break and then we'll be back to jump into Sicario. All right. And who's our sponsor today, Caleb? It is my coffee. My coffee always lifts me up and, and takes me to higher places. Mm, I love my coffee. Oh. <laughs> I do love coffee.
We're back to talk Sicario, 2015, Denis Villeneuve, Emily Blunt, Benicio Del Toro, Josh Brolin, John Bernthal, Daniel Kaluuya. Awesome cast. I really cool. loved pretty much everybody in this was somebody I, I like a lot. Yeah, who is your favorite? Who's my favorite? Probably Benicio Del Toro. Yeah. As the ghost. I really liked him. That's kind of an easy one. Josh Brolin was great. I talked about Tommy Lee Jones in the intro. And um, it's funny, Tommy Lee Jones and Josh Brolin are forever linked in my head because mm. Men in Black 4, Josh mm. Brolin played a young Tommy Lee Jones and nailed it. Mm. Incredible. So to me, they're like the same guy almost. He was good in it. What about this is a smaller role? I think his name is Jeffrey Donovan. He he was like their CIA guy, I think, that picks them up in the car, goes down with them to Mexico. Yeah, burn notice guy, right? Burn notice guy. That guy, for whatever reason, just like crushed that role in my opinion. Yeah, I thought he was I thought he was really good. Very good kind of douchebag. Like he wasn't actively a douchebag, but he was just kind of a, a tool. And I thought in a good yeah. way. Yeah. Because he's like a CAI spook kind of guy, you know. Yeah. Very arrogant. Everybody, a lot of machismo in this movie. You know, it's like real, you know, manly men kind of roles, yeah. uh, which is, is is fun when it's done well. And this was great. But I love, I, I really thought Benicio Del Toro was just like quiet, like kind of the yeah. man with no name vibe. Stole the movie. Well, for the first almost hour, you have no idea what he's even doing. Like, it's such a interesting character where you're like who the hell is this guy and what 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 is he gonna do you didn't see it in theaters initially right you only saw it i was curious because i saw it in theaters initially i was like this is so good in theaters i didn't know how it would land on a smaller screen one of those ones where it's like you know these action movies sometimes are better but you thought it still landed pretty well even on small screen for you totally engrossing i wish i did see in theaters now truthfully so I do, I, I bet it, it was more powerful on like a big screen and the, the, the full, you know, sound experience, but really awesome. The border scene, which I know is like a famous one, incredible and just so suspenseful and awesome. Um, the ending or not the ending, but the big finale when they're in the tunnel mm, that's was, what, I guess that's like not even the vision. finale, but it's kind of the climax. Yeah where they all put on the night vision and they go in there and oh, yeah, that's dude. pretty intense. Just like truly like an edge of the edge of your seat, kind of like always a sense of danger. It's one of those movies too, where they even in like quiet scenes, you're always feeling a little scared. Something's about to happen. Cause yeah. even, even when they're in like safe the government, you know, spaces with like allies, they, they do a great job of creating, especially so Emily Blunt is a, kind of a regular cop in Arizona and she gets recruited to join an uh, intergovernmental task force or interdepartmental task force. And so she basically gets pulled into this kind of sketchy group of people from a bunch of different teams. They're all kind of like you're on a need to know basis it's for everything she wants to know. So like you were saying, Benicio del Toro's character, Alejandro, there's no, we don't know who he is. He's just kind of this silent figure who just kind of says like bullshit to her, just like weird, like, like kind of vague advice. Like there was a line early on that was like really made me think about what he was saying, but he was like, you are asking, she's asking him questions about the, the raid they're about to do. And he's like, you're asking how a clock works. Just focus on the time or just, just watch (laughs) the, watch the time. Wow. Is there anything I should know? You're asking me how a watch works. For now, let's just keep an eye on the time. He has a whole bunch of good lines. I, I can't remember all of them, but there was another one about nothing will make sense to your American ears or something like that. that there was a few where he just said these things that were like, what did you just say? And it was still <laughs> so impactful at the same time. Listen, nothing will make sense to your American ears. And you will doubt everything that we do. But in the end, you will understand. And that's a cool one, too, because the ending is there is kind of a twist with his character, I would say. Like, I didn't know the payoff, so I was genuinely uh, 
unsure of what his who he was and even by the end i was still kind of confused about exactly how he who he was you know and how he was linked to things um but yeah he was awesome and i i really enjoyed him and that was like following his character and josh brolin's character they they are the ones in the sequel and that was like one of the main reasons i watched the sequel was because i like liked them so much yeah josh brolin was pretty good at his character was pretty good at just always acting like he knew what, what was up but also giving her almost no information to like do you want yeah. to be here or not like trust me, it's fine just get over here like very nonchalant <laughs> about the whole thing like he's going into freaking Juarez, you know yeah and he acts like they're about to go do you know a random day in the park <laughs> it's it's a really cool way that yeah, they have the confidence that he portrayed in his role was pretty fun um, especially seeing emily blunt's character so unconfident about what she was doing yeah um yeah interesting juxtaposition between the two of them yeah and he it's almost unsettling his yeah. his demeanor like you're saying because you're like it doesn't match the situation a lot of the yeah. time like when he's introduced they're in a boardroom uh, Emily Blunt and her partner played by Daniel Kaluuya, who is also awesome in this movie. I love him, but he's, he's great in this, but they they get called in and they, they think they're in trouble because they just had a raid go kind of wrong. There was a bomb at the raid. They're raiding a drug house and the bomb went off and killed two agents, Daniel Kaluuya. And uh, she was okay, but they get called in and they're like, they think they're in trouble, but really they're getting recruited to this task force. But Josh Brolin, is there and his character's introduced in this, you know, the room with these like super important, you know, there's like an FBI director there. There's like a CIA guy, you know, these big guys and he's in sandals. He's like in flip flops in (laughs) this meeting. And so right away, you're just kind of like, so what is he do? Is he like the big Lebowski kind of the dude vibe? Is he, you know, like what's his deal? It was such a cool vibe there when they go into Mexico too. Actually, I like the whole briefing before they go into Mexico where they're all in the room together. There's like marshals and there's, it's another, yeah, there's, I think there might be police as well. And they all are preparing and they're all just like (laughs) weapons up, like loading up a ton of weapons. They all act kind of casual too. I think there's like 30 of them going down to Mexico. That, that whole sequence is so fun to watch where you feel like something big is for sure. going to. You don't bring a whole, big group like that for no reason so you know something's going to go down but it takes a long time before anything actually does go down some of those aerial shots where they you see like the caravan of five suvs or the the helicopters going over the border like directly over the border yeah the music that was happening at the same time was just yeah really cool then when they go down there and see like bodies hanging yeah it's just very Mm, intense disturbing so disturbing and then that whole sequence yeah where they in the shootout is just insane <laughs> and such a great i don't even like shootout yeah. scenes but it was like somehow that was like a f- great scene it was just a phenomenal scene yeah i agree i think the mexico sequence is one of the best ones they actually did film it in mexico that was like the only did part they? they didn't oh. do in i think the mo- majority of the film was filmed in albuquerque new mexico mm-hmm. and they wanted to shoot that in albuquerque but actually had to go down because I think like you're saying, they just knew it was such a great sequence and they wanted the realism to really yeah. hit. Wow. And so they just were like, we, we really, if we want this to feel like Mexico, we need to like go to Mexico. We can't fake it. We had to go to Mexico. We couldn't see any other way doing it. I mean, the scene was crucial to the way this world was being reviewed to the audience that was going to watch the film. So Which I think paid off. It's like, it's oh, by yeah. far the most memorable part of the movie. Yeah. I've looked at Reddit over the years about this movie. And I think that there's a, a debate on one of the scenes I didn't realize I kind of overlooked the debate uh, on the scene where they come back with that guy and then they go into an interrogation room and they bring in a water jug and make it look like he's mm. about to get waterboarded. But then they pan out and you don't really know what happens. And the noises, a lot of people say sound like he's getting by oh God. Uh, Benicio del Toro's character. And there's a whole debate on what actually happened. Does he get tortured? What's happening there in that scene? Um, interesting yeah very weird yeah but it's like he yeah i don't know i don't know how to feel about, about that that uh debate yeah i'm gonna have to re-listen or not re-listen re-watch that scene and listen closer because i definitely just my brain assumed it was waterboarding but maybe both 
Yeah, that's messed yeah. up. Was that guy part of the group who would have been responsible for killing his daughter and wife? I guess so. I guess so. I, so that would yeah. make sense if he was really wanting to do something horrible to them. I mean, should we get to the end? No, we'll wait a little bit. I, I do want to talk about the ending more too, though, with the murders. Cause uh, yeah, yeah. 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 I thought that was interesting. Yeah. What about John Bernthal and that, that whole scene? Man, so disturbing. Again, you know, and like, I guess, okay, so like um, you were talking about them getting ready for Mexico and I'll connect it to this. This movie also kind of reminded me of Silence of the Lambs with Clarice being in this very like male dominated and especially like like machismo, a lot of machismo and like alpha male energy, you know, mm-hmm. group. and that kind of creating a sense of danger all the time, or even when she's with her allies, we feel a little unsafe still as an audience. Cause we don't trust them even with our, with our main character being a female and how she is in this group. Like she is an outsider in this, even in her own team. And mm. especially the way Josh Brolin and Benicio del Toro treat her, where they never let her know what's going on. Where you're like, is she going to get jumped at some point? Like, are they setting her up to get like killed even? And so like that scene in Mexico where she's really getting involved with these like soldiers and even the soldiers, you know, she's walking to this room of these like huge like soldier guys. And it's just like, you're kind of like, Oh, I don't even feel comfortable with her around them. Yeah. And then you get to the scene with John Bernthal where that scene again, I'm like the whole time I'm like, this has got to be a bad dude. And Daniel Kalu is like, he's a great guy. I love this mm. guy. Really good guy. And you're just like, uh, that's a red flag, dude. He's too confident. You can't trust anybody, man. But then since they've done that job, a great job of creating a sense of danger throughout the movie, you kind of question it. And mm. so that was just, it was just like messed up. And I was just like hoping he was actually just a nice guy and they could have a fun, she could have a fun night out and you know, he seemed like a nice guy at first. Yeah. Very he, charming. Good good actor, obviously, but um <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I could see that. The whole time, you're right. Yeah, there's this level of danger where you're just sort of yeah, she's constantly surrounded by it. And so even when people seem good, they might not be. Yeah, yeah, it goes both ways for you. Don't trust even your distrust of the people. Yeah. It was cool that uh then Benicio del Toro's character has her back at that point and beats the shit out of that guy. <laughs> yeah, I loved that part. And I, I, I knew it was going to happen, but it was still so, or I was hoping. Yeah. Yeah, so in that scene, just for context, she's at a bar. She's having a horrible time uh, with the case, and she's really depressed. And her and her partner, Daniel Kaluuya, go out. And there's a uh, another guy on the Arizona Police Department that they see there and they kind of start hanging out and they're hitting it off. Um, and so they end up going back, John Bernthal and Emily Blunt end up going back to their apartment and hooking up early in the movie. They did a drug bust or a money bust where there's somebody working for the cartel laundering money and they bust them and they get a bunch of money and all the money is rolled in a very specific colored wristband, kind of like a live strong mm. bracelet. It's like tie dye. And so she had seen that. And then she notices that John Bernthal's character has one of those as well in his pocket when he takes all his stuff out and sets it on a desk. So she realizes he's working with the cartel and then it becomes a very intense scene where she almost gets murdered. Mm -hmm. Uh, And then she is saved by Del Toro. It is cool that, yeah, I like that they set it up that she realized it. Like she connected the dots before any danger actually came to her. She started to piece together that puzzle, which is kind of, fun and i don't think he was gonna attack her i think he was just gonna hook up with her because like even yeah. even um alejandro benicio del toro's character says oh he wasn't gonna kill you because he's like oh, i just tried to sleep with my hitman and he's like no he wasn't gonna kill you he just wanted to know what you knew i just tried to have sex with my hitman uh he's no assassin he just wanted to know what you know after us not you. So the first half of the movie, you really don't know what Benicio Del Toro's thing is. All we really know is he's a DOD uh, advisor, they call him. <laughs> advisor. Um, <laughs> <laughs> which is hilarious. Uh, 
and as the movie progresses, we, we learn a little more about him. And it turns out that his family was brutally murdered by this specific sect of the cartel they're um, trying to get to. And they're, they're really trying, we also learned more about the mission and they're really trying to get to a boss. They're hoping if they can find a specific person, they can follow them back to Mexico and they'll lead them to the bigger boss. And so really Benicio del Toro's whole character is looking for revenge for the brutal murder of his family. And it is horrible what happened to his family. Uh, I think his wife was beheaded and his daughter was thrown into a vat of acid, his deaf daughter, which we learned in the second movie, she was deaf. Mm. Horrible, horrible stuff. And uh, you really are rooting for him, especially after you learn those things. Eventually, he does get revenge. That's the big finale, which is a great scene. And we can get into that in more depth. I want to know, you did kind of give it away earlier, but what, is he a good guy or a bad guy? Because that does seem to be, you know, one of the big mm. things is you go back and forth with him and what you think oh. about him. But where did you end up once we see the whole picture and how it ends? I thought about this concept before we even knew we were talking about this movie. I don't think there's any good guys or bad guys in this movie. I think everyone, hmm. they, and what I like that they show quite a bit of some of the cartel people in their life, like some of the cartel people, they have families and they're showing them and their human sides, but they also do bad things. It's the same thing. These CIA people and Benicio Del Toro, even Emily Blunt, they have good sides, but they also have bad sides. And everyone has their own reasons that they're doing something and no one necessarily thinks they're good or bad. Um, so I didn't see him as good or bad. I think that they all have both. Uh, but I'm curious your take on it. I think I agree. And I think that's kind of what I listened to a lot of interviews. There was a lot of interviews about uh, with people from actors in this movie and Benicio del Toro and Roger Deakins. So there's a, real, a lot of cool insights on from there. That mm. was, that definitely seemed to be kind of the point was that mm. it's very morally ambiguous and most of the characters are morally ambiguous. I mean, I just learned about the the waterboarding slash possible, you know, horrible stuff scene. So that that might influence my decision. Uh, I don't know. I think the intention of the writer Taylor Sheridan, from what I've read, was to definitely make the murder at the end. So there's a great scene where they bust a drug tunnel. They find out about this drug tunnel. It's kind of similar to the border scene. They, they kind of mirror each other in like the plot but this is more of the true finale and they they bust into this tunnel and get some drugs or something but then the real point of the bust which again every mission there's like the surface level idea of what they're doing and then kind of a deeper level to what they're mm -hmm. doing so it's like it's really fun there's like even subterfuge within like their own groups mm -hmm. and so Benicio del Toro really was trying to sneak into the country and get to the boss so and this is his chance where he he gets a guy who's going to the boss and he kidnaps him basically. And at that point, and it's kind of cool because again, um, when I was listening to some interviews, Taylor Sheridan talked about, this is the first movie he wrote, which was really interesting. And he talked about how he wasn't trying. He talked about how he wasn't trying to follow a three act structure structure. And like, I, he's like, I don't even, I didn't know the rules. So I was, I was just breaking a lot of them, which I really? he's like, I think kind of helped me. But he's like, it actually ended up being like a five act structure structure. Wow, I can't say structure. <laughs> and wow. Emily Blunt's character is kind of the three, the first three acts. And then the last two acts, we go off with Benicio Del Toro. And it's really interesting because her story mm. just kind of ends at some point. And mm. and but the movie keeps going. Like, mm. but the main point, he gets into Mexico. He breaks into this big cartel guy's house. It's super badass. He's killing all these people and all the security guards and getting in. And then he finds the guy with his family having dinner. And they look so, they look like they're in a Target ad. You know, he's wearing, the cartel guy is literally wearing a pink polo, um, like Kanye. And he's there with his two kids and a, and his wife. And, Benicio del Toro talks to him for a minute and then kills his whole family before he kills him and wants to make sure he sees his dead family. 
and then kills the cartel guy. And Taylor Sheridan said he wanted you to like go through these phases where you don't like Benicio del Toro at the beginning because he's kind of a jerk, Emily Blunt, and they are being mm. super withholding with information and not including her. And then once you learn his story, you're really rooting for him to get revenge and to win because what happened to him was so horrible with his family. And then once he does get his way and does murder this family and get some revenge, you feel kind of gross about it. Yeah, that's interesting. That's an interesting take. Personally, I loved it, though. I was totally rooting for him. I was like, yeah, yeah, get it, dude. Get it. (laughs) Same. And now that you say the vat of acid and beheading, though, to kill the kids is pretty horrific in the movie, just in general. But I I think also I've I've heard interviews that Taylor Sheridan said that he did a lot of research and that this was like a PG version of what actually happens down there, uh, which I probably believe. But yeah. To end up killing that guy with a gun seems pretty tame, actually. Probably could have done yeah. even worse. The killing in front of the, you know, his family in front of him, though, was pretty pretty brutal. And I think I came away, yeah, definitely feeling a little disgusted. But you also feel like you already got revenge, kind of. Like, you're like, I don't know. I don't, you know. Yeah, it's just sort of gray where it's like, I don't, I don't know what, <laughs> what to like here and what not to like. It's just sort of all bad, you know. It's all bad. You just have to accept that this is something that is happening almost. It's kind of like, and it's that's kind of like, I guess the big theme with like Emily Blunt's character in the first half of the movie too, where she's just like, like this is happening whether you like it or not and whether mm. you want to come or not. Yeah, I think so. And her character at the beginning is super ambitious. She's really wanting to go like have an impact on this stuff and actually like make a dent. Yeah, there's a certain point where she realizes there's no dent she's gonna be able to make, and I think that's also one of the yeah. points here. Like every like, and it's if they talk about it for every cartel boss that they do kill, another one's gonna pop up. Like it doesn't really do anything for the problem. It's still gonna continue to happen. It doesn't really matter who they get, and I think she realizes that by the end. The last scene with her, she's just a completely different person than in the beginning, right? She's yeah, she's just beat down and she's basically given up. It seems like. Yeah, being forced at gunpoint by somebody from her own team to sign a paper lying about whether or not what they've done is above board. Can't sign. God. You would be committing suicide, Kate. And like the main reason she joins the task force is to get two of her uh, team died from the bombing at the very first raid at the beginning of the movie. And the the big reason she has for joining is like, so we're going to get revenge. Like we're going to find the guys who did this. And they're like, yeah. Kate, you must volunteer for an interagency task force. Think very hard before you respond. You want to be a part of this? Do we get an opportunity of the men responsible for today? The men who are really responsible for today, yeah. I'll volunteer. And so by the end, it's like not even about that. Well, and what we find out later is the only reason they brought her on was because they needed an (laughs) FBI contact. It wasn't even about her or her ambition. They just needed an FBI contact <laughs> no. who probably wasn't going to be able to do much fussing in order to be a true interdepartmental task force because they already had CIA and DOD and all of these other things. So she actually was, was just not a checklist requirement. <laughs> yeah, she was basically a nothing, which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Then why are we going? Because CIA can't operate within U.S. borders without a domestic agency attached. Which. I don't know if I totally believed that. I kind of felt like they were putting her in her place, but I do think mm, Josh Brolin maybe. saw something in her. She's been leading our kidnap response team for three years. Put her through the grinders and she got here and she hasn't blinked. <laughs> she's in the front line. Nobody's going to be happier than Kate to see these guys go down. So she's a thumper. Today was her fifth OIS. It's five and oh, not bad for a rookie. She never worked cases. Been kicking doors since day one. I like her already. What about the partner? You seen action? I don't know. It's interesting because there's a lot of those kind of things where I they never tell you whether or not he really yeah. liked her. You know what I mean? You yeah. are. It's kind of up to you ultimately with like ever, 
everything. Like, there's not a lot of like truth in this movie that we get hard facts ever. Very no. rare. There's a ton of mystery, but it does feel like the answers are there. Like everyone knows the answers. All these characters, most of the characters know the answers, but they're not letting anyone in on the answers. And so it is the whole movie is just like a bunch of mysteries where you're trying to figure out what the hell is going on here, what's happening here, which is fun to try to figure out. But yeah, a little frustrating <laughs> when you don't find out what anything is, which probably, you know, leaves us with all these questions. So it's probably a better movie in that way versus if they just made it clear cut and everything had answers, it, it'd probably just be a little bit too, I don't know, on the surface. Yeah, it'd be less interesting. And like, I, I like movies that leave a lot up to you and like, context clues i bet there's a lot of context clues in this movie i missed and like knowing the full story and going back i'm sure there's things i'd see that i didn't see the first time and i love that because that gives a ton of rewatchability like even talking about it now i'm like oh, i gotta watch it again like the waterboarding <laughs> scene or you know whatever happened yeah. but and yeah. then just like did josh brolin like her maybe he was just yeah. the first scene when he's talking to the people it does seem like he's like that girl's got something i like mm. like let's get her involved on my team hmm. it's interesting wow well then yeah let's it's supposedly this is a trilogy i don't know that the third one is even going to come out i hope it does but um but the second one i think i had such high expectations because of the first one it's hard for a, a, you know something to do so well critically and and all that and then come out you would think that they'd want to really knock it out of the park with the second one what did you think of the second one? Different director. Yeah. Different director. I think that's the big difference I could feel. I, could, I, I enjoyed it. It was much more of a story I enjoyed than like a full experience. The first mm. one is like not, not a, I'm not saying a perfect movie in it's like the best movie, but it's a perfect movie in that it's completely like doing what it wants to do. So mm-hmm. Roger Deakins is the cinematographer who Roger Deakins is like, the greatest cinematographer of all time, basically at this point, maybe not, but like his, his work resume is got to be one of the best ever. He worked with the same director, right? So they've done a lot of stuff together as well. Yep. Yeah. He did uh, the prisoners. I believe he did blade runner 2049. He's done a lot of Coen brother movies. What was that Um, alien one that they did together too? That came out shortly after this. Um, Oh, Oh, arrival. He shot as well. That was a, a great yeah, one. Yeah, that's well. a stunning movie visually. Did he do Arrival? He might not have done Arrival, actually. Did he not? I thought he did. No, it looks like he didn't. Mm. I thought he did too. But he's an awesome guy. So he, he, the visuals in this movie are incredible. Like the yeah. visual consistency and the tone of the movie with how the camera is done is is amazing. There's a kind of a documentary feel, but it's not like full documentary style. Yeah. which I thought is interesting. Both Denis Villeneuve, the director, and Roger Deakins, the cinematographer, have a background in documentary. Both of them mm. kind of came up doing documentaries. And I feel like you could feel that mm. in this movie yeah. with how grounded and just realistic it was. Like, that's one of the big things everybody talks about. It felt real. And that's, yeah, yeah. it does. That makes sense. Yeah, it did feel real. It really yeah brought you along for the ride, which I appreciated. I guess, yeah, the second one, you know, think about the second one. It's been a while since I've seen it. You've seen it fresher than I have. But I think yeah. that I only had a couple main flaws with it. There was a couple believability parts for me that I was like, oh, what are you doing? <laughs> like it doesn't, there was a couple parts of like, they basically made someone not be able to die at all. It felt like. Um, <laughs> yeah, that bothered me a little bit too. But, you know, there was a lot of good intrigue. There was also a lot of good action. This one had a lot more action. The second one had a lot more action, right? There was a couple scenes in there where they're in like the middle of the desert in a caravan and, and their own guys turn on them, which was a pretty fun uh, scene with a shit ton of bullets. <laughs> yeah. And I think even some missiles that end up getting shot down or drone attacks, so. which was RPGs or something. That might be one of the best action scenes I've ever seen. Maybe even better than any of the action scenes in the first one. But um, yeah, yeah, there's a few cool raid scenes in there, too. Yeah. Ultimately, I didn't like the two guys turning on each other either. Like they, you know, that bummed me out, man. They don't. I mean, and they kind of like both understood why they were doing it. They didn't. They were like, "We're still friends, right?" <laughs> but I have to do this. But it's but like I'm going to kill on. you if I ha- like if I find you. <laughs> yeah, these are a dynamic duo. We need them together. 
Yeah, I agree. And and just overall, not like as like sharp as a movie. Like I feel like in the first five minutes, like they represent like the camera footage from drones looked less real to me. Mm. And that immediately kind of took me out. And I was like, already that's like a knock on the movie that Sicario never had. There's a point Trenton was referencing. Benicio Del Toro's character gets shot in the face literally and is like overnight just laying on the floor bleeding <laughs> out and then wakes up and comes back to life and survives and it was a little far-fetched and i i have a hard time with like fake deaths where they want you to feel the sadness of a death and then mm. also want the character to live so that really kind of bugged me i think yeah it's interesting to think about that movie because it, it just felt like it was still a good movie but yeah comparatively it was missing some elements from that first one you know, Emily Blunt's character where there, there wasn't as much mystery in the second one felt like the sec, you know, the second one was fast. You know, we kind of knew what we were getting into sort of. Yeah. Well, there was a little bit of like CIA subterfuge, right. And some things there, right. but which is fun, but yeah, no, not but- nearly as mysterious as the first one. This is just mystery and mystery, mystery and mystery. Yeah. Yeah. And you lack the, um, the kind of like entry point into the movie of Emily Blunt's character, like you said, like yeah. it's, You're coming I think in it's with lacking her. that mm-hmm, yeah. that person you can really root for. Cause we kind of talked about good, bad guys, bad guys. She's the closest, maybe her and Daniel Kaluuya are the closest like good guys in the movie. And like, really they're the ones that you can like root for even even though they're by the end you kind of they're kind of compromised as well especially dan uh, emily blunt's character but i i do think the second movie was lacking that you do have the daughter who was abducted and you kind of get like the scene where they're trying to cross the border mm-hmm. to get back into america after um josh brolin's broken up with benicio del toro I thought that was like the closest to like the first movie where you're kind of seeing it from her perspective and you're like, not yeah. sure if he's going to be able to figure out how to do this. And like when it kind of falls apart, you feel very like alone and stuff. Um, yeah. Which I guess yeah. maybe there were points for me, it felt like such an adult movie that there was a couple of kids as characters in this and it felt a little bit out of place, but I guess maybe it, that was a point to that. Like these kids are getting brought into this stuff. One of them was a, u.s based kid i think he's yep. uh, like mexican heritage living in the u.s right on the border and it shows him getting brought into cartel or gang at least gang type of i think it stuff. was the cartel yes yeah, so the big the big he's theme young. in this movie is instead of focusing on drugs they're focusing on human trafficking yeah. And so, yeah, that kid gets pulled in as a coyote basically to help bring people across. And yeah, he's got to be like, what, 14, 15? Yeah. And it's sad to see, you know, it seemed like a kid that might have a future. And yeah, sad to see what he gets dragged into. I think he, he was my favorite character from the second one. Really? What about the ending part with him, though? Doesn't he end up with like, is just like a full on menace at the end? Yeah, he's like totally visually he's it seems he's totally bought in there's like a it's got to be like a year between um the ending of the movie and kind of like a little epilogue we find out for sure alejandro survived but yeah he's got tattoos all over his face and neck and he's got the full regalia of somebody who you know might be stereotypically in that kind of world yeah yeah it was a bummer it was pretty sad because he was such a sweet kid at the beginning like just a quiet nice kid and gets fully becomes a sicario right yeah i guess so i think at that point he's a hitman but also didn't seem like he had much choice like somewhat of a choice but maybe not i wonder if the choice there's a scene in the second one where he's about to get on the school bus and then he decides not to and all his friends get on and he stays and that's when his cousin picks him up who's gonna Mm. initiate him into this you know life yeah and I feel like that was the choice. And after that, yeah, he's he's gone. Thinking back, like there are some scenes in in, in of the story that I I do think I liked a lot. Actually, you know, yeah, the scenes where they're going back over the border through these buses and oh, yeah, so go crazy. It, it is crazy and so tense. I think there's a lot of tension with with those scenes too. So I think they did some things well, but yeah, it felt a little fantastical <laughs> overall. Somehow, it felt a little bit far fetched. Even though the first one was probably, I don't know, who knows how much far-fetched 
you know, thinking of that, what Taylor shared instead of this is like, this is PG, we're not showing anything compared to what's actually happening in this type of stuff. Makes you wonder. Makes you wonder. Yeah, that's horrifying. I mean, the, truly the cartel border stuff is horrifying and depressing and sad and heartbreaking, you know. Horrible. What do you think about him, the writer? You know, because he's gone on, he's gotten huge. And I think he's mm-hmm. a little bit controversial now to some people. Interesting. Do you know why? Well, I think he's dabbled into talking about some political things and and at least some people I think people are guessing as to the political narratives but uh, behind his show Yellowstone that blew up and has done oh, really well. He created Yellowstone, yeah, which is a mega hit. Huge hit and it's and then he spun off and done a jillion other TV shows that have all done really well. I think critically he hasn't done super well, but like in terms of ratings it's like no one's even coming close to the ratings he's doing. He also did the movie Wind River. He might have directed that one too. That was one of our favorite guys on earth, Jeremy Renner. Um, oh yeah, Renner boys. But <laughs> and that was also a good movie. But yeah, he's gone on to do a lot since Sicario and that's you know, I think uh No Country not what was it? Um he had a Western that did really well. I think got nominated for Best Picture. Uh, Hell or High Water, I believe. Hell or High Water, yeah. That was a good movie. I saw that one in theaters, too. Yeah. I think he's had a couple duds as well. There was an Angelina Jolie one that wasn't great. <laughs> and uh, yeah, Michael like B. He... Jordan one that wasn't great. <laughs> I was just going to say, I'd never heard <laughs> this without remorse. But yeah. Probably was a dud. 5.8 on IMDb. <laughs> Yeah, I guess Crazy. What, is, what are your thoughts on him? Because he's probably one of the most famous writers today, at least that's, you know, on TV for sure. Yeah, I I mean, Sicario is such a good movie. I definitely, it's one of those, and I see why he got so many opportunities because it's one of those movies that you're like, oh, wow. Like you sit up and pay attention and it's a fir- yeah. his first movie. He was an actor before he got into writing. I I don't have a ton of interest in his type of style if i'm being honest sicario was really good but i probably wouldn't have been interested in this if it wasn't so highly received and like and if it wasn't denny villeneuve who's gone on to do mm-hmm. so many incredible movies hell or high water i liked a lot but i didn't like love it i guess i, I respect him a lot for switching careers and like having so much success but not a ton of interest like i didn't even know he was controversial i've kind of avoided Yellowstone like I thought it was hilarious and then found out it was a huge hit and I was like oh I did not expect that (laughs) (laughs) Kevin Costner's back crazy and then yeah it was a hit I thought for sure it was just gonna be some dumb series that's so funny yeah I'm not a huge fan of the genre either it's interesting that he brought it back so much yeah like this modern day western which is which is cool I guess because there's definitely an audience for it I've seen a lot of his other stuff. I haven't seen it all by any means, but I do feel like Sicario, in my opinion, was by far the best. And maybe it's just like, yeah, we we have a preference for that type of story with the mystery and all that stuff. And but yeah, I'm not 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 a big drug bust cartel crime movie kind of guy either. I'm I'm usually more on the comedy and lighthearted side. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, that something in this movie really spoke to me at least, and it was fun to watch. Yeah, I agree. It's hard to get these ones right because yeah, so often now they're just these stupid action flicks full of revenge and killing and there's not a ton of story or depth or character depth it's very predictable and so this was one of those ones that took that genre and completely turned on its head and made it interesting and artful and yeah really cool i totally agree and i feel like sometimes these can feel like they enjoy the muck of the world and like they enjoy the violence that they're portraying and Mm. this one definitely felt more somber and like Mm. mindful of the the brutality that they were displaying it wasn't there was no fun in in the violence it was all very like um there were consequences to the violence that's a great point i think that is a big fundamental difference between those types i haven't seen many somber mood uh movies with this theme and like yeah type of plot can you think of others that have been like that i can't can't quite like specifically with like um, border stuff or just crime? Just crime where it takes this little, yeah, where it takes itself, where it realizes the consequences of what it's putting out. Yeah, where it is a little more somber in tone. 
a bit. Yeah, I mean, Hell or High Water, which is the same writer, I guess has a similar vibe, if you will. Um, yeah, you know, I don't know. I'd have to think about that. I almost feel like throwing it to James Bond. What was the one that uh, Skyfall almost felt like that to me? And that one stood out. I think that one critically did better than all the rest of those James Bonds. Christina Rail is great. But, but Skyfall, I think, maybe had similar vibes, a little more subdued, a little more somber. Um, wasn't all just like action and fun and killing. So. Yeah, I liked Skyfall a lot. Skyfall is the one that ends with him at the house, right? Where yeah. he's like kind of getting, yeah, that's a fun one. Yeah, I think those especially got more into the real consequences of being James Bond. Like mm-hmm. that's kind of where they went away from like Bond girls too. And like when they died, it was much more, they tried to make it much more of like a thing that affected him instead of yeah. just kind of a trope in the movie. Yeah. So I can yeah. feel that it's not a crime movie, but like one movie I love where things have real consequences and like kind of, it's a movie that tricks you as Boogie Nights is PT Anderson movie. Have you ever seen Boogie Nights? No, I've heard of it. I haven't seen it. It's a really cool movie because the first half of the movie is like very fun and kind of delivers on the like the selling point of the movie, which is like porn industry in the 70s. And everybody's like, you know, grooving and banging and having a good time. But it really flips it on you where there are real consequences for people's choices in the first half of the movie and like really devastating stuff starts happening to the characters. And you almost feel it's kind of like what Taylor Sheridan was saying about Alejandro's character. We almost feel gross for like laughing at things like it tricks you where it's like, Oh, this is a comedy and these weird things, you know, that's kind of horrible what's happening right now, but it's funny. So I'm laughing because this is a fun comedy. Right. And then horrible things end up happening. And then you're like, Oh, I can't believe I was laughing at all this stuff at the first half. Cause this is like a real, these are like real people who, are now you know hurt and affected by these things mm. Mm. you'll have to check that out although it's not speaking to me i'm not a big porn uh industry movie type of guy <laughs> but it's like oh that sounds like a good a good movie right there <laughs> but it does sound interesting at the same time it is good it is really good i i could see why i'd understand if people didn't want to watch it but it is it is more thoughtful and like yeah yeah uh, we don't have to get into boogie nights good movie though i wish there were more movies like sicario coming out i would say yeah that you know that was almost nine years ago now right that it came out i don't feel like there is anything like that that's come out since in my opinion nothing near as good in that realm in my opinion as well there's obviously a market for it too it's interesting you know nine years later i'm not too big into following all the political stuff at the border, but I feel like it's as relevant as ever right now, that movie, because of all of the stuff that is happening with the border presently and drugs and all that stuff. So I think it's a timely movie still, even nine years later. Interesting movie for sure. Depressingly relevant still. Yeah. I feel like it could have came out last year and I wouldn't have been like surprised, you know? No, no. Maybe even ahead of its time still. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, we're, time is a flat circle, as Russ Cole says. Mm. True Detective, have you seen True Detective? Great. From season one, great. I've seen the first season, and then I saw the one, was it Vince Vaughn? Uh, oh, yeah, the second Hill. one. That was so dark. It was just like, they're all dark. I, I don't want to watch the new one because it looks so dark, and I'm just not wanting to take my head down to that such a dark place. I saw... <laughs> A news article that popped up and said a human sickle or whatever is that actually possible? Someone it's like froze it and they come back to life. I don't need to go down that road. <laughs> I actually been watching the new one, the new season with Jodie Foster, The Night Country, and there is a human sickle, and it's um it's pretty crazy. One movie we're talking about movies like this that also are like more grounded. No Country for Old Men. Have you seen that? Oh yeah, I was thinking that one too. Yeah, that might have came out before this, but yeah. I was going to say, these do kind of sync up in my head. I think it was like a, like a decade before even, but... Mm. Yeah, it definitely has the same vibes for sure. And Josh Brolin. Oh, that's funny. I didn't think about that. Yeah, in a lot of ways. <laughs> also, a great, I think it won Best Picture. It's a great, 
great movie. Yeah, super so dark. Good. Super dark. A little bit of border kind of stuff, just a touch. They, they do cross the border a couple times. Both these movies, Josh Brolin crosses the border illegally. Cool. Oh, it's been fun to talk. Yeah. Yeah, thank you so much, man. If I come back, we're going to have to talk about a comedy, something a little more lighthearted. I feel like we went pretty, <laughs> pretty deep and dark today. Yeah, we started <laughs> off with a, a good one, you know, very challenging, you know, murder, beheadings, vats of acid with children, and then <laughs> waterboarding. <laughs> oh, God. Very lighthearted. No, this was, this was really fun, though. And I, it was fun. This was like a huge movie when it came out, and people... So many people were like, have you seen Sicario yet? Have you seen Sicario yet? And I kept having to go, no, no, mm. no. But I'm glad I did. It was awesome. So all those people, I finally saw it. You were right. It's very good. I That's loved cool. it. <laughs> when that happens, usually we're like, we put it off forever. Like, I don't want to do it because everyone else says it's great. So, But it is one of those ones where we missed out on the experience, though, because of what happened. I do wish I could have seen it in theaters. Next time, we'll do another one of our uh, favorites that we used to watch together a lot, Dumb and Dumber. Okay. All right, I'm down for that. Yeah. Which would be a great name for a podcast, actually. Oh, yeah, there we go. (laughs) (laughs) Well, very cool, Trenton. Thank you so much for joining us today. If you're still listening at this point of the podcast, please subscribe to us or follow us on Instagram and Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever you listen. Just give us a, a like or something. Any interaction is appreciated, and we're grateful to you guys. Everybody... Go watch a movie. You have to say it too, Trenton. Go watch a movie. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Thank you.